0: Hello. This is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast. Get educated or be enslaved. Episode one thousand two hundred eighty. Air date July twenty seventh, two thousand twenty three. Um, our platform via Shiva TV as well as YouTube. All right. Good evening, everyone. This is Dr. Shiva Ayadurai. I'm pleased to um, welcome everyone to our Thursday uh, Shiva for President town hall. And on our town hall today, we have. Uh, A lot of people attending it via Zoom from all over the world. And in the United States, we have about 100 plus people, close to 110 people. It's a great showing we have. Um, And then on uh, those of you following this on social media can see all of our people. And it's a great opportunity because people have a chance to directly interact with me. And then each week we actually discuss a major topic. And the topic of today in our town hall is education. Um, Last week we did... um, uh, environment and the week before that, we did healthcare, and we have, we have this whole process that we do to really help people understand um, in a very practical way what they can do to improve their lives uh, in any one of these areas. Be it, be it the education, be it healthcare, um, and the the notion that we talk about is that, that government is really not going to do much for us, and we should recognize that. Um, and any politician. Who comes and says, "I'm going to do this for you, that for you"? After I get elected, is probably going to do nothing for you. So our um, run for office, Shiva for president, is really about uh, delivering on things that we can do here and now. Um, um, you know, be becoming elected as president, I will frankly do not uh, not anything much different except education. I believe the office of the president is corrupt. The office of the legislature is corrupt. The Judiciary is corrupt. They're all corrupt. Um, but what we can do is to educate people, so each one of you realizes that you are ultimately the agent of change. And that's what I really see the office of the president in the modern, you know, twenty first century is to really use it as a bully pulpit to educate people. So then it comes down to what is the quality of person you have, and do they have the skill sets to actually educate you? Okay, because most of these guys are lawyers, and most of them have never built anything, um, and frankly, none of them have any sense of intuition about anything. So they can't really tell you what's going to happen or they can't direct you. So the talk we're going to talk about within the context of education is, um, what is real education? And one of the aspects of real education is to recognize repetition, hard work, committing yourself to uh, doing something, um, and learning a certain area of expertise is really the mother of intuition. Um, there's a lot of people are dilettantes. Um, we educate young people today to think um, what matters is their opinion because there's social media. Everyone's got their opinion, um, and there's a less and less um, really uh, 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 more and more. I would say diminishing a level of support for skill, right? Hard work, taking a topic, learning it well, right? Um, people are teaching kids in at the very, very lowest educational level, everyone should get a trophy, right? Just because you tried, um, therefore you should get a trophy. Um, You don't have to work hard um, because everyone is sort of equal just because they show up. And all of these things are very, very uh, dangerous things in my view, because they're not really getting down to the guts of how do you build a society where you have very, very um, uh, dedicated people can actually contribute. And um, that's what we're going to talk about. Um, One of the fundamental things we teach at Truth, Freedom, and Health, we have that people have uh, also come here for, and it's a system that I created, um, is about how you learn to think from a systems perspective, the science of systems. You see, there's two parts of your brain. One part of your brain um, is an aspect of your brain, um, which really um, is... um, uh, is really like a computer. Okay. And uh, a lot of the neuroscientists know this, um, that the human brain in this case, in that aspect functions functions like a-, a computer. Um, you know, and but that's only good for trivial decisions. Like if you want to make a very trivial decision, um, you use a computing part of your brain, but for complex decisions for com- very, um, things that are hard. Wow. Should we have a lockdown right now? Right. Um, should we take a vaccine or not, right? Um, Should we, um, um, you know, uh, 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 should we believe Elon Musk is for free speech? These are much more complex decisions Um, and complex decisions bring into, in your own brain uh, and your whole body, frankly, a whole different process which involves knowledge, Knowledge is really the ability to connect the dots, that's systems thinking, experience, hard work, combined with your emotional attitude. Um, meditation is very, very valuable here. When you meditate, you learn how to calm your senses. Um, but knowledge, experience, and intuition are all really linked um, in a very powerful process of what people may call intuition, okay? So knowledge, experience, and emotions. So real education is gonna come from your ability to build your knowledge, your ability to uh, have experience, which means you're dedicated to a craft, and you have to be able to look at something in a relaxed way. Okay, it's three aspects. And in all of these, three, we teach all of this at Truth, for the Health. We did a couple of um, months ago, we did a, a phenomenal um, seminar. We didn't charge people thousands of dollars. We didn't say you have to bow at my feet and, and uh, you know, do some crazy acts for me like these gurus do, right? We taught a very powerful way to meditate, and we linked it to a very scientific way. In fact, the nine principles of um, system thinking. But it does require effort, significant effort. Some people come and take the course once, oh, I got it. And that's sort of this very, very dilettante, it's frankly an attitude of, of people who don't actually respect knowledge. Oh, I took the course once. Well, we have it. Um, Some of the people who have taken it 10, 20 times, you can take it as many times as you want. But we're going to have a deep discussion today. What is the right education, real education that builds intuition? Okay. and from a personal note, I did an interview with some uh, European news station. They said, Dr. Shiva, you seem like, you know, you're a magician. You see the future. You called out Fauci. You saw the election systems issue. You saw lockdowns. You know, you called out the backdoor portal to Twitter and I can keep going on. But why? And I can tell you one simple reason. I work my butt off. OK, um, you can talk to a very good friend of mine, Lorraine. She and I. She was my next door neighbor when I was growing up 13 years old. Um, she um, she'll tell you, Shiva, I've gotten I'm not telling everyone to do this, but, you know, I typically need five hours of sleep. But I work very hard. Um, no one gave me anything. You know, my mother said when you when, if you were in India, there are nine different ways you'll get discriminated. In the United States, you have three different ways, um, but you're gonna have to work very hard, right? So um, hard work is very, very important. Why? Because you build your intuition. You have to do a certain amount of things to get good at something. Picasso didn't just come and start painting shit. You know, oh my God, I started doing. No, he he did lots and lots of small drawings over and over. He had to build his technique. Michelangelo, before he could do the Sistine Chapel, if you've been there, you'll recognize it's a very technical craft and you have to do a certain amount of work. Um, they find the most intuitive senior managers in big companies at least have to be doing their craft for 10 years, okay? So there's a certain amount of effort that it takes for this your entire physiology to learn this. You just don't wake up and you're just good at it. now. You may have certain latent skills and talents, your genetics, but that genetics still needs to be trained. One person's genetic may take 5,000 tries. Another person may 10,000, but nonetheless, you have to um, leverage your talent. That's why there's a lot of people with great talent who could be a great pitcher, but they don't practice. You know, you should really think about golfers. They will hit 10,000 balls in a week. Okay. So um, it's really, really important to recognize the importance of hard work. And we're creating an educational world where we're not doing that. So you have to look at your leaders. Did Booby fucking Kennedy work hard? Did he? No, he did fucking drugs all day. All right, that's what he did. He couldn't even make it through school. His mama and papa, he, he he got thrown out of private school, private school. None of us, very few of us had the money to go to private school. And then his mama and papa had to call Harvard to get him in. Did Donald Trump ever really work hard? Okay, you have to look at these people before they're going to lead a country. What is a leader? Think about what a leader is. A leader is able to see the future. You're leading people. Are you going to lead them to hell? Are you going to lead them to, um, you know, the gallows? Are you going to lead them to truth, freedom and health, liberation? And if you look at, frankly, my history and our movement's history, we've always called things. I I would say we have one hundred and ten percent a hit rate right now. And I give that one hundred and ten percent because when we call things, we expanded knowledge and we help people. So think about what it means to be a leader. Um, um, there's that very famous story you may have heard about this big piece of machinery, a very complex piece of machinery, um, in a, a, I think it's a turbine, in a very big power plant that it, that had failed. You know, And it was, nothing was working, electricity was shut off for a whole town. So they called this guy in, an engineer, And he comes in and he looks around and about five minutes, he goes, oh, you got to take that particular screw and you have to tighten it. And it gets going. And he goes, "Okay, here's my bill for five hundred thousand dollars. And they go, wait a minute. You only spent five minutes. Yeah. He goes, I may spend five minutes telling you what to do, but it took me 50 years to build that knowledge to tell you that in five minutes. All right. So this notion of building an expertise in an area to look at something and quickly know what to do is comes from knowledge, experience and emotional intelligence. It's those three things and all of them require a commitment. So knowledge, experience and intelligence. Now, what we do at Truth, Freedom Health is to give you all those things. We have created the framework to deliver you knowledge, experience and emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence comes from talking to other people, physically looking at someone in the eye, meeting people offline, having building relationships. The experience comes from doing something repeatedly, okay? Not just once. Oh, I went to the train station. I handed out a flyer. No one wanted to take it. It sucks. Now you got to go back again. Maybe you didn't look at anyone in the eye. Maybe you, you didn't smile, right? You have to understand that. Um, the knowledge comes from the knowledge of systems thinking. And John, you played some of the videos, right? Did John play you guys videos? Okay. Yes. Those videos and John, you played the skills video too, right? All the things we have and the Anthem video, et cetera. Yeah. So we have created a framework of system science and nowhere else in the world. Can you get this? Yeah. You can go to MIT and Kennedy school and you can pay them a quarter of a million dollars and spend 20 years. Um, but that's what the elites do. And we want to give you this very powerful knowledge. And it took me how many ever years to do it. Um, 30, 40 years to organize it, put it together, write books. Um, but people who take this knowledge and study, you'll find out are the same people who are good at something else. They put in the time. People who are dilettante, well, I sort of learned it. I, I took the course once. I get it. I, I get it all. No, you probably didn't get anything, okay? You think you got it. And that person's actually more dangerous because they're what I call an unconscious incompetent. They don't even know their incompetence. So our movement is going down to this very, very gut level of going back to the highest values of what it means to be a human being. And what kinds of leaders do you want? Do you want leaders who bang 28 women, cheat on their wives, and that's in their personal lives, and then give their wives their diary of all the women that they conquested? And then when the woman hangs themselves, they don't feel any remorse. In fact, they bury their body in front of the press and pray and then they dig up their body and they move it somewhere else. That's Robert fucking Kennedy. All right. Is that the kind of person you want? And the same kind of person who says my personal integrity and my public integrity are two different things. He's telling to your face he's a disconnected human being. Is that the kind of people you want in the ancient Indian systems of knowledge? You had instinctive knowledge, you had intellectual knowledge, and you had intuitive knowledge. These were three very different kinds of knowledge. Intuition was the highest form of knowledge. And intuition is something that occurs at at, lightning speed. You can look at someone and you know what they're about. You can look at a situation, you know, that's what I have to do right now. And the intuitive knowledge in the Indian system or in some of the, the yogic systems comes from your highest centers. Okay? The instinctive knowledge comes from your lower centers, like an animal who smells something and runs, right? Um, And then your intellectual knowledge, um, which is one level above the instinctive. But the intellectual knowledge is a very dangerous knowledge. Lawyers use intellectual knowledge. They can rationalize anything. They can take a murderer and make him look good, right? It's sort of the devil's knowledge. You can use it for solving a very complex mathematics problem, but you can use that same intellectual knowledge for justifying why it was okay to kill someone, why it was okay to do something horrible, but make it all look good in your brain. And in fact, convince others that it was okay. All right. That's intellectual knowledge, but intuitive knowledge is coming from a very, very different point of view. At Truth, Freedom, Health, we want you to build your intuitive knowledge. All right. That's what we're doing. And I haven't talked about this, but that's what you're fundamentally doing. We're building it. So why is it everyone in our movement looks at Trump and Kennedy? We say, boom, 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 because you have this intuition. And that intuition can be backtracked to particular knowledge and experience and having an emotional intelligence. You recognize these people are scumbags. They are here to take you off the path. They're here to manipulate you. And that is what the world needs. We right now, a lot of the world is at this instinctive knowledge. Another set of the world is this intellectual knowledge. They rationalize stuff. That is where the lesser of two evils comes. That is a rationalization of bullshit. Well, you know, yeah, he's you know, he says some good things. What do you want me to do? Vote for you? You're an independent. How can you win? So I'm gonna so you convince your brain that the lesser of two evils is a good path to go. And if you look at the last 60 years, what is the lesser of two evils? This intellectual rationalized thinking delivered, people. It's delivered where the lifespan of Americans now is going like this. Think about what I'm saying. The lifespan of Americans is going like this. If you have a child in America, your child's lifespan will be less than yours. And that comes from this intellectual devilish type thinking, justifying bullshit. And the intuitive knowledge is, of course, we should go in that direction. Of course, we need to build a movement. Of course, we should spit on people like Trump and Kennedy. They're bamboozling me. And that is what our movement is doing. If you want to raise your consciousness, and by the way, one person who has an uh, an intuitive knowledge can affect billions of people. And you've seen that throughout the ages. One Buddha, one Christ, right? One very deeply connected leader, what you can call the spirit, influences and leaves a wonderful fragrance for the rest of humanity, all right? So you have to get that. And what we're trying to do here is to create gurus of you, teachers, I'm just a catalyst. I happen to have created the knowledge system to enable you to do that. But our movement is about truly raising your consciousness. That is what this movement is about. And that is what my run for president is about. It is about you wanting to raise your consciousness. That is what this is about, okay? Hey, John, John Medlar, Are are we okay on YouTube? We're, they haven't banned us or anything, right? We're still good? No, no, we're good. Okay, all right. So uh, there must be shadow banning the hell out of us. (laughs) Um, So anyway, um, I don't see anyone, John, on YouTube coming in, that's why. Uh, There's 80 people currently on YouTube. Oh, really? Okay. All right, I don't see anyone in my stream, that's why, commenting. Okay, Um, so anyway, so what we wanna do is, what we have developed a right. truth for them right. is fundamentally real education. So that education involves system thinking, and if you go look at one of the videos I did, you'll understand what that is. But system thinking is that there are nine principles to system thinking, and these principles are called engineering systems principles. In my Fulbright work, I was t- able to take that nine principles and discovered that those same nine principles occurred thousands of years ago in ancient systems of yoga and medicine. So you get a very profound way of looking at the world and everyone here, if you made it this far, um, you should damn well take the course because without it, you're going to be really handicapped. But if you take the course and you get it, you also have an entire community of people. All right. But let me talk about this thing called intuition, what it really is. All right. Um, you know, you can, um, you know, if you if you talk to a really good poker player, right? They make decisions very very quickly. All right, um, um, uh, you know, it's almost like they have X-ray and they can see people's cards. Firefighters, an experienced firefighter will enter a building, and he'll know exactly where not to go or what's going to be dangerous. Right? Um, ICU nurses do this. You know, neonatal units. They can look at a situation and right away know if a baby is going to have a dangerous infection long before the blood test results come in. So you have this analytical piece that you can do, but intuition is something where you have seen so many situations that you don't need the blood test results. You just know now that should not be mistaken. You're going to realize there's a lot of people say, yeah, I'm very intuitive. Right. And they may not be, they may be misleading themselves. So, um, where does this intuition come from? Okay. Um, well, the best example there was many many years ago. There was a very um, interesting article written in the Sloan Management Review of um, looking at chess masters. If you ever, if you ever play chess, right, um, you know the 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 most the grandmasters can actually see fifteen moves ahead in their brain when they're looking at a chess set. They can say, "I'll go here," then the person goes here, then they go here. They can see fifteen moves down. It's quite extraordinary. So. Um, and if you watch people like Bobby Fischer playing in one of those old videos, if you've seen that, he will literally there'll be like fifty chessboards set up, and he will literally walk down each chessboard and he'll make a move. Have you guys seen this? It's quite extraordinary. Um, and um, so, chess masters are literally able to look at a situation and make decisions within microseconds. Okay. So they are literally playing 50 games at a time. So they'll see a move. They'll see a situation. They'll know what to move. They'll go to the next game. The other people may take a minute, 10 minutes to decide what to move. But chess masters are making these move very, very fast. Intuition. So people wanted to understand how are they doing this? Is this magic? How are these people able to look at a very complex chess board and know what move to make within seconds? Well, it turns out they did a very interesting experiment. Um, anyone play chess here ever? Everyone see a chess board? Yes, you can raise your hand if you have. Okay. Um, well, if you play chess, you know, first of all, you have a bunch of pawns, which only can move one move forward, right? They can't move backward, right? Um, you have a, a piece called a king and a queen. You have two things called rooks. You have two knights. You have uh, two bishops, right? And each one of these can move in certain configurations. So once you start playing a game, the board has a certain configuration. So if you look at it, you have to make your next move. So what they did was they took novices and they took uh, grandmasters and they set up the board with 25 pieces, you know, in a certain configuration. In a what's called a legal configuration, right, where pieces could be. And then they asked um, so, you had to look at the configuration and then they removed the configuration of 25 pieces and then they asked a novice, could you reset up where the pieces were, okay? So, out of the 25 pieces, a novice on average is only able to do six pieces. A chess master, when he saw a configuration, you, you showed it to him for seconds and you removed it and he was able to put every piece back in its exact position, Okay. All right. So initially the thought was, oh, these people have a better visual memory. All right. But it turns out that the average chess master, it's very interesting. It's not their memory. The average grandmaster has seen 50,000 configurations in their brain 50,000 configurations. So again, let me repeat what they did. They set up 25 pieces, let the person see it. So imagine you could stare at it for like five seconds and all the pieces are taken away, and then you have to set up the pieces where they are. You have to remember everything where everything went. The novice could only do six of those pieces. The grandmaster could do all 25. So the initial thinking was, oh, they just have a better visual memory. Not true. They actually, in their brains, have over 50,000 configurations that they've seen. What does that mean? How did they see 50,000 configurations? They played millions of games, (laughs) okay? So when they see a configuration, they've seen it, they go, boom, I've seen this, I've seen this, I've seen this, right? It's no different than if you first learn to do skiing, you go down the hill and you're falling apart. And if you don't go skiing, maybe you go once a year, you probably fall a lot. But if you go down the hill over and over and over and over and over again, you get knowledge, you get experience, you build an emotional intelligence, and you can go with very beautiful little steps, right? But it requires you to do this repetition. But the average chess master has 50,000 configurations that they've learned and they've recognized it's part of their body, okay? They know it. And when they see that, they know exactly how to move, what to do within microseconds. So this thing called intuition is not some woo-woo thing. It came out of significant amount of hard work. Okay? And when you think about this, now you go back to our modern education system. You have people who want to learn math. I was talking to mathematics. Okay? Their teacher, um, by the way, a lot of people I've noticed when it comes to mathematics around fifth or sixth grade, maybe that's when they teach imaginary numbers, negative square roots, right? That's when a lot of people stop studying math. They they don't understand the concept. And two things are because a teacher teaching it really didn't understand the concepts and the student doesn't, doesn't do enough problems. Sometimes what's really interesting is when you may not understand things right away, as you start doing them, things happen in your brain. And you see this with animals. If you've ever trained animals, they don't really understand what you're telling them, But you do it over and over and over again, and the lights start going off. Have you seen that if you've ever trained a dog or an animal, right? He doesn't understand what you're saying, but they get it with the repetition. So repetition does something quite extraordinary. It actually turns on particular neurons. Now, in modern artificial intelligence, this is what they do. They have what's called a neural network. You know, I used to build them years ago, and you have to give it training data. So you presented data and data and data. Again, this thing learns. That's how ChatGPT works. That's how all the AI system works. They take data and they train it. So there's a very interesting phenomenon. Can a machine have consciousness? Can it have human consciousness? It's a, it's a longer discussion. Um, the issue is, do humans have human consciousness? Okay, that's where you get to. Um, there's a lot of humans who are just at the instinctive level, but they don't really build this intuition. So the educational system today does not teach people to take something, go deep into it, that you have to do a certain number of problems. You know, when I was in ninth grade, I, um, learned calculus. You know, calculus is a very weird, it's a weird concept, the concept of a limit, is really a wild concept what is the concept of a limit i'm 10 feet away from the wall i walk halfway okay i'm five feet away then you're five then you walk halfway now you're two and a half feet away now you walk halfway now you're 1.25 feet away and keep going will you ever get to that wall right and then it's called a limit and you and but that concept of a limit it's called the central limit theorem is what Isaac Newton and Leibniz developed to create calculus, and calculus is, if you have your computer, if you have an airplane, it comes from calculus. But it's a very, very, um, you have to build the intuition, but but once you do enough problems, you say, wow, I get it, okay? Um, So many of these wild concepts in nature are not something you just say, wow, I get it. You have to either do the work And relax do the work and relax meditation you do the hard work and then you go into a state of deep relaxation and you reflect on it so if you do many of the yoga exercises they make you literally do a repetitive form and then you go into shavasana which is a posture where you lie down flat you're easing the nervous system so you get to absorb this then you go work and then you ease there's a reason so you have to go to working very hard and then you have to relax we do neither of those these days, okay? People don't get deep sleep. Do they not reflect? Do they not relax? And they're not doing the repetitive hard work. So we're not really producing the quality of people now who can think and who have this intuition. Does this make sense? So we have people, you know, we deal with it even in our movement. We have a. We have to do a lot of work, believe it or not, because the school systems haven't trained people how to use a computer. How to use a keyboard. You know, in the old days, you, you had to take typing lessons. I don't know if you remember in ninth grade and you learn how to and you have to do it over and over again. In my view, these are very, very important skills. Gym class, right? You learn to do something. So we've lost this repetition. So we do a lot of work when you join our movement. People learn a ton of skills. John Medlar has taught a young man how to do video production in a few months that probably would have taken him four years of spending $200,000 to getting a video production degree in some college and you leave with a bunch of loans. All right, our movement teaches people this concept of work and skill and commitment, but you have to do repetition. Repetition is the mother of skill. Repetition is the mother of intuition. Now, when you take a systems perspective, you'll understand that intelligent systems Do this process of repetition. So you have, um, if you look at a control system, and I don't want to get into all the details, when you take the course, you'll understand that there are nine components of every intelligent system. The first component is a goal. All right. So you you set a goal for yourself. Um, I want to win this chess game. All right. The output is, are you winning? Well, so you have the, the goal and the output. Well, in order to witness the output, you have to see things as they are. That's called a sensor. And then you have to make a decision. Okay, I want to win, become a grandmaster. I keep losing games. That's what the reality is. What am I going to do? Well, I have to probably play, you know, a hundred games a day. So now that's the input you put into your system. You make decisions. You put your faculties to practice, right? And you make these decisions. And then you sp- Dr. Shiva. I think um we might have lost sound briefly here. You can't hear me now. John, do you hear him? Do you hear Dr. Shiva? John Medlar? No. Oh hold on. I'm gonna to go to my other mic, John. John, how's that? Do you guys hear it or no? Huh perfect. Is that all right? Mm-hmm. It's great. Let me see if the same thing happened over here. Uh, people out uh, in, uh, can you guys hear me okay? Yeah, they can hear. All right. So um, where where did I just leave off, John? Uh, you were describing the sensors and... The- right. So intelligent systems you recognize do repetition until they get better and better and better. It's a part of modern control systems. Um, your thermostat in your home is constantly observing what's going on and it's doing a repetitive task. A, uh, your airplane, the automatic pilot in an airplane has a particular goal. It's constantly making adjustments, okay? And so one of the key things in intelligent systems is, do you see things as they really are? Which is called the sensory aspect of you. And do you have a goal? And are you able to make critical decisions to achieve that goal? And in this process of achieving that goal, you have to make minor improvements. You don't just say, okay, I wanna lose 20 pounds and overnight you go from 180 to 160. You may go from 180, to 178, you have a bad day, you go up to 182, 185, you correct, you say, well, you know what? I really shouldn't hang around with those people. They make me drink beer and eat pizza all day. So you start limiting certain things. And then you say, okay, now I'm at 170, 70, right? And then you make a bad decision and you're constantly making these moves. And these small refinements, this repetitive process of refining yourself, you get very, very good. Eventually you achieve 160 pounds, And through this process, you're able to maintain that, wow, I ate that, I'm gonna make a little adjustment. And you do these small adjustments. And that is what a professional skier does. When they're going down the hill at whatever, hundred miles an hour, they're making very fine adjustments. And that's the intuitive piece of what they learn how to do. But it comes from these repetitive aspects of training your brain to see where it's going and making small refined moves, all right? So recognize that this intuitive aspect is within all of us, but to awaken it, particularly in children, you have to ensure that they have a certain amount of discipline, and in all of us, that you put some constraints of discipline, you put some constraints of repetition, and you have to rest and reflect. And when you take, when you understand system science, you'll see what's beautiful about this is all of this is in there. And this concept of system science has existed in modern engineering theory, but it goes back thousands of years, which is what I uncovered. So the ancient systems of yoga and traditional medicines recognize this. They knew that it was about repetition. They called it a mantra prayer in many of the religions. Right. You had uh, rituals. Rituals are very, very important because they train your mind to do certain things. They're not just rituals. They were designed to remind people to get on course. Right. Cultural rituals. Right. So you had a you know, when it was harvest time, many. Cultures and religions had that you had some period where you fasted Fridays or Saturdays. In many religions, you had a repetitive aspect of fasting. It was good for autophagy, which means cleaning out your body. So there's some very, very powerful things that were embedded into traditional and ancient cultures, which are completely forgotten. But it was around this notion of there's a functioning. And when you do these things repetitively and you have some discipline, your body builds this very powerful capability called intuition. All right. So again, remember the grandmaster in chess. They have 50,000, you know, configurations in their brain. Um, If you think about the nurse at the ICU, she has seen so many babies over and over and over again. She probably knows better than the doctor who doesn't even, you know, see the baby. My grandmother could look at your face and within seconds she'd say, okay, they have a liver issue or they have a cardiac, you know, whatever the issue is, because she'd seen enough faces to understand that with the bodily issues. So that's what we're talking about. So I uh, really want to encourage everyone as I, let me sign off and we're going to introduce people. Um, uh, someone says should be a daily practice for health. Yeah, it's a practice. It's a very interesting world Angela Rossi just used. She said practice, practice. When you say my daily practice, right? Whether it be prayer or um, they call it, you know, what practice are you in to a doctor, right? Practice is a very important word. You have to keep practicing. The reason I do these town halls every day, people say, well, how do you do you know, twice a day? Why do you do it every Thursday? Don't you get tired? I can tell you every time I do these, I get better at communicating. I learn a tremendous amount of what I'm actually talking about. So it is not boring to me. People who consider things boring when they're doing something are actually um, not committed to anything, frankly. All right. When you get into the groove of something, it's not boring. You actually build this deep, deep intuition. So that's what I wanted to mention to you. So our movement, truth, freedom, and health. In fact, those three words are the three fundamental principles of those nine principles. And we want to encourage all of you. If you on the town hall, if you've made it here. Um, you know, learn these principles and then we learn how to apply them. So in our case, this is why in 2020, when I saw Fauci, the first instant I saw this guy, the first moment he was saying nonsense within minutes, you saw the tweet that I did. I said, this guy's full of shit. I knew the pandemic was nonsense. And I did a tweet um, which said, and I I can show it to you. People don't remember it. Let me find it for you. Um, but it was quite important for people to understand this is that, um, let me bring it up here, okay? I'm going to bring this up, and this is from, I think, March of 2020, okay? Uh, let me bring this up here. I got to do a quick search here, and I'll show it to you all. And all right, here we go. And this was at a time, remember, March of 2020 was probably one of the most important times in world and human history, because that's when this pandemic was hitting. And um, uh, the people who made decisions, the right decisions at that standpoint, could have literally saved, in my view, billions of people, right? Or hundreds of millions of people. And the knowledge that I put out there, the knowledge that our movement put out there, literally saved millions of people while... The stuff that people like Trump and Kennedy and all these people are doing actually killed people. I did a video on that earlier today that Kennedy and Trump killed people while what I did was actually save millions of people's lives. And I say that with not any boasting or not any arrogance, but it's just the fact we did that. So let me bring this up to you. I have it right here. Uh, My Twitter is a little bit slow. In fact, I can probably find it quicker on here. Let me bring it up here. Um, I'm going to find it right on my iPhone for you guys. Okay. And I may have to put it up onto the screen. I hope that's okay, but let me bring it up right here. Okay, here we go. Okay. Here we go. Um, So let me uh, show this to you guys. I have to make it a little bit bigger. Okay. So um, to everyone listening in their homes on social media, I'm going to share with you a tweet. um, And this is an exemplification of intuition. Okay. And um, I think here it is. Here we go. Okay. And I have to share it also to people on our Twitter here in our uh, town hall here there you go all right so what does this say march 9th of 2020 as an mit phd in biological engineering who studies and does research nearly every day in the immune system the coronavirus fear-mongering by the deep state will go down in history as one of the biggest frauds to manipulate economies suppress dissent and push mandated medicine march 9th 2020. okay that was within moments and I had that intuition because I, you know, it takes a lot of work, a lot of repetitive work, a lot of hard work to get your PhD. You have to tie yourself literally to your chair to finish up your thesis. But think about what I'm saying, as an MIT PhD in Biological Engineering who studies and does research nearly every day on the immune system, the coronavirus fear-mongering by the deep state will go down in history as one of the biggest fraud to manipulate economies, suppress dissent, and push mandated medicine, right? Mandated masks, mandated everything. So I wanted to share that with you um, in closing because this is a power of intuition. This is what happens when we actually get people like you and myself actually um, putting in the hard work, studying our stuff, honing our craft um, and doing the right things, not trying to cheat our way into thinking that we can sort of bullshit our way and just talk about whatever we want, right? And that's what I want to let you know. So imagine if I had been president in March of 2020. Just think about that. Think about that. Think about if someone like me would had actually done the hard work, who works his butt off and can see the future, because I have intuition I've been president. The United States would have saved $16 trillion. We would have led the world in saying, hey, look, let's not quarantine everyone. Let's do this very powerful part, which I shared this morning, and you want to go see that video, I sent a letter to Trump, as many of you know, said, do not shut down the economy. Take the real people who have COVID or positive, put them on vitamin, uh, you know, 400,000 IUs of vitamin A, put them on 50,000 IUs of vitamin D for two days. And uh, that was to those people. And then for the people in the ICU, add 100 grams of vitamin C, you know, drip. (coughs) And to the rest of us, by and large, everyone should be working. You know, children take about, a, you know, a thousand uh, to twenty five hundred. I use a vitamin A and vitamin D, respectively. And for the rest of adults, about five to ten thousand. I use a vitamin A and, you know, a vitamin D, about five thousand. I laid it all out. The freaking idiot, because that's what he is, didn't do it because, you know, he thinks Fauci knows it all. And moreover, Fauci was a swamp and he didn't do his duty. Okay. We saved millions of lives. Think about what I'm saying. Because lots, hundreds of millions of people saw my videos. The vitamin D video went to about hundred million people. So think about what I did and what they did. And why are these people even running for president? Why? Why is people even considering them? Because the leaders of a country reflect the state of consciousness of the people. You reap what you sow. If you don't do hard work and if you don't value knowledge and you you value celebrity and you value a name like Kennedy and you value a name like Trump and you don't look at their backgrounds, you're going to get those kind of fucking leaders who are going to lead you to hell. And that's what Trump did for four years. He printed eight trillion dollars. He kept Fauci, he passed SISA, which is the law that destroyed the first amendment. Hillary Clinton couldn't have done this because if she did, there would have been a revolution among the working class whites in this country. They needed a white dude to bamboozle people. That's why Trump was brought in. But people, it's our fault right now, it's our problem. We need to raise our consciousness. And that is what our movement is doing. And the great news is we're having so much impact that they now don't, you know, earlier they would only have one Bernie Sanders manipulating people. Now they have two. They had to bring out two big snakes, Trump on the right and Kennedy on the left. And what they do is attempt to make us invisible. It's quite disgraceful. They actively make me and our movement invisible. But it's not working because in 2020, about a half a billion people heard about us. And people are saying, wait a minute, Dr. shiva is the one who said that. Why aren't you putting him on your show? Wait a minute, Dr. Shiva is the one who said that about the backdoor portal. Why aren't you putting him on your show? Wait a minute, Dr. Shiva was against lockdowns. You, Kennedy, were promoting lockdowns. Why are you putting Dr. Shiva on the show? So we have a huge opportunity right now. Because people are realizing we're being screwed with. And so what's really important is for all of you to learn the knowledge of system science, to use the fact that we are running for president to get involved, get off your butts, wear wear a t-shirt. You know, we got Jewel wearing a t-shirt. I can't tell you, that's fashion activism. Wow, Dr. Shiva, who is that? You can have a conversation. If you're afraid to hand out a flyer, for God's sakes, go get, you know, a a t-shirt for every day of the week. Wear them out. Hopefully you wash them if you don't, but wear them out. We're going to, you know, get it out there. That's activism. Maria's got one, Right. And you walk around with that. They say, wow, that guy's got to get a bumper sticker. Again, most of your heart, get a bumper sticker. 100,000 people a day will see the bumper sticker. If you're a little more courageous, go to a train station and hand out a flyer. We have them. You can download them. Print them out. But this this is a very important time. They already know we're out there. We had a woman from New Zealand on the call last week. Tony, I don't know if you know her. She was on the call, Tony Pierce. And she said she went to a political meeting somewhere in New Zealand, and fifty percent of the people knew who Dr. Shiva was. They all know about us guys. When people say, "Oh, they're suppressing you," they're not. We're already out there. So we've we've sort of we've screwed them with all the work we did in 2020 and the hard work we continue to do. I do two to three videos every day. John Medlar works his butt off. We have Maria working our butt off, calling people. Many people on our movement here are doing that repetitive hard work. And that is what it's going to take. There's no nothing else. So wherever you are on the presidential side, download flyers, get a t-shirt, wear a hat, put a bumper sticker on. In the United States, we need to get on the ballot in every state. We have to get repeat. We have to get signatures and signatures and signatures. Repetition. If you're outside of the United States, get our truth, freedom, and health Bumper stickers, okay? Put them on. You can even put the Dr. Shiva bumper sticker because as far as I'm concerned, we're running for in some ways, you know, for all of you to become leaders. That's what Dr. Shiva Truth, Freedom, and Health really represents. It's you, okay? That's what this is about. This is about you becoming an intuitive human being. It's about you raising your consciousness. It's about you reconnecting with your creator in, in many ways. That's what this is about. So let me sign off to our friends. In, uh, before I do that, I actually like to take some questions. I'll take some questions from online. John, you can uh, take some questions. So let me take some questions from our people um, in, the, in the world of social media um, or comments. Um, Angela Rossi, uh, she made a very wise comment. She said, the left and right, same bird. We got to shoot straight next time. Yeah, well, we got to shoot that bird down, actually, because <laughs> they're the swarm. Um, Great. John, do we have any questions there? And um, we want questions uh, relative to stuff I've talked about, okay? The concept of intuition, the concept of what people can do. Um, Let's see. um, uh, Michelle Hammerton says, this is why kids today are so dumb, no repetition in schools anymore. Absolutely true, Michelle. It's like people are afraid to tell a kid you have to sit down and you have to do 50 of these problems. And when you do that, you really learn the topic, whether it's learning how to do a problem or learning how to play the piano or learning how to do a craft or learning how to paint, you have to do the work. There are all these, by the way, these crazy artists in New York, if you've ever been to Soho in New York, these people have studios and studios, and most of them suck at art. Most of them were parents who gave the kids a lot of money and told the kid, oh, yeah, you're a great fucking artist. And the guy can't even draw anything. He, like, will throw paint on a wall, and but they'll have a good story, right? They'll have a good agent, but they cannot draw. They have no skills, so they bullshit their way through this. Science in certain realms has become like this. Um, so you have to do the work, and you can tell people do the work because we can see the future. Um, Cody Hare says, what states do you need signatures for to get on the ballot? Cody Hare. So let me discuss that. First of all, no one is on the ballot right now. No one. Okay. No one is on the ballot right now. People are running for office. To run for office, you have to, in in the United States, you have to file what's called your paperwork. Okay. And we filed that with the FEC. Now in every state in the United States, every state gets to determine what are the criteria to get on the ballot. In Boston and Massachusetts here, sorry, not in Boston, Massachusetts, you need 50,000 signatures, okay? I believe in Florida, you need 100,000 signatures, which means there's a piece of paper and people have to sign it and say, yes, I want Dr. Steve on the ballot. In order to do that, our volunteers are gonna have to collect signatures, okay? So to answer the question, every state has different number of signature requirements to get on the ballot. Now, in our case, we're doing something quite extraordinary. You know, I'm a naturalized citizen. A lot of people are ignorant. They think only a natural born citizen can run for president, which is absolutely false. And we're going to educate people on that because the Articles of Confederation, which were passed in 1787 around that time, never defined natural born. And in fact, um, the 14th Amendment abrogated that because a natural naturalized citizen is the same as a natural born citizen. So I'm the first one educating people on that. And we're going to have challenges at the state. We may have to file additional lawsuits, which we will. And we'll take it to the Supreme Court. But there's no reason a citizen is a citizen is a citizen. All citizens are equal, period. And um, people talk about, oh, Barack Obama was born in wherever. Well, maybe, but he didn't have the guts to challenge that and bring it to the forefront. We are, okay? Because there's 22 million naturalized citizens in the United States And they work their butt off. According to the 14th Amendment by the Equal Protection Clause, they're the same. So when we go to get on the ballot in some of the states, many of these corrupt, ignorant secretaries of state might try to stop us. Well, we will file preliminary injunctions. So you're going to have a lot of fun with this campaign. You know, life has never been easy for me and probably for most of us. We've had more challenges. We're not a Kennedy who can kill a woman, you know, who can... I leave a woman dying in their car who can spit in policemen's faces, who can do drugs and nothing happens to you. Do heroin. In fact, smuggle heroin and nothing happens to you. We have to live by the laws. And so life is harder for us. We have more challenges, but it creates much better characters you know, within us. So that's that question. Vicky Marshall says, can you, do you care to comment on the character of Vivek Ramaswamy? No, he's a, except that he's a swarm creature. The guy's never uh, really produced anything. He's a bullshitter. And by the way, the establishment put out, if you notice in the last (laughs) year, they found these other brown guys suddenly start showing up, right? This guy Buttacharya, okay? Or this guy Vivek. Out of nowhere, these guys start showing up, in fact, mimicking my stuff, stealing my stuff. This guy uh, Buttacharya, whatever his name is, he's saying, oh, I'm against the masks and lockdowns. Well, in 2020, he wrote a scientific paper promoting lockdowns, and I have it. This fool, Ick or Vivek, okay, he was the one who was promoting mask mandates and vaccine mandates. These people are all basically put there to take away our movement, but it's not going to work for them. So it's really important everyone here can have an effect. So I've taken three questions from our team. Let me go over to StreamYard. Two more things. Um, let's see over here. Uh Let me take. uh, Yeah. So Trish Hansel says, how many signatures are needed to get on the ballot in Michigan? Um, I think Kristen is Kristen here. Kristen can look that up. Someone says robot speech. I'm not sure what that means. Robot speech. I'm not sure what that means. Okay. All right. Um, Kristen, can you find that number? Is Kristen Falvey here. Can someone look it up? Um, Another person says, how is the paperwork in Oklahoma? So we have two questions. How many signatures do we have to get on the ballot in Oklahoma? And how many signatures do we need to get on the ballot in um, Michigan? Michigan is uh, 30,000, Dr. Shiva, and I will go check Oklahoma. So the answer to the question is in Michigan, we have to get 30,000 signatures. Now, because they will try to cheat us, We typically will try to get a little more, like 10 to 20% more. So we're going to try to probably get, you know, like 40,000 signatures. Okay. But everyone listening. Yep. Oklahoma. I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, Oklahoma is 34,600. Okay. 34,600. So it's a lot of work. Just to give you an idea in Massachusetts, about five of us collected 20,000 signatures. Okay. At the end of the day. So it's very doable. It's a lot of hard work. But you'll really learn a lot about the political system. But our goal is to get on the ballot in every state. And that'll put the fear of God into these people because when they see Trump, whoever the other fool is, or Biden or DeSantis, we don't know who it's gonna be, and Dr. Shiva Idre, they'll say, How the hell did these guys do this? Okay? And if you wanna, if you have righteous anger at these people, take all that anger and fuel it into an organized way that we can get on the ballot. But more importantly, we're gonna build our movement as a very wonderful part of it. All right, everyone, everywhere out out in Twitter, uh, Facebook, YouTube world, go to Shivaforpresident.com, volunteer, donate. And by the way, when you donate to me, um, I give you a lot of stuff. You donate based on whatever you donate, you get books, you get access to educational modules, um, you get access to community, everything. So get involved. Someone says, by the way, someone's asking, are you on the ballot in Kansas? By the way, listen, everyone, No one is on the ballot anywhere. Um, You get on the ballot based on when the secretaries of state ask you for signatures. And that occurs um, perhaps the end of this year or the middle of next year. You can't even collect signatures yet because they haven't released the paperwork to collect the signatures. Okay. All right, everyone. Um, Thank you, everyone. Be well. Be the light. Um, Thank you on the rest of everywhere out there.